Hey guys, it's great to be in church. You guys are great looking people. Nice friendly people. Everyone smile at me. Go. Thanks, Kerry. I love the smile. Hey, have you ever um, had to explain something like this? It's like this. Have you ever experienced something and then you had to try and explain what you've experienced to someone who hasn't yet experienced it? Have you had that experience? Here's one, Vegemite. Have you ever tried to explain what a Vegemite, what Vegemite tastes like to an American? And how, do you, how did you describe it? Australian chocolate. Soy sauce. Oh, that's good. Use it sparingly. Use it sparingly. Soy sauce. Um, we had an American in the room for 9 a.m. and he said it tastes like poo. <laughs> How about a hammer smacking your thumb with a hammer? Have you never experienced that before? How would you describe that? Ouch. Yeah. How about this one? He's been electrocuted before. How would you describe being electrocuted, men? Buzz. <laughs> Buzz. Someone else? Shocking. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> How about this one? How about a brain freeze? <laughs> Shocking. How about a brain freeze? Who's had one of them before? You're eating cold stuff. How would you describe that? Pain. <laughs> nice pick. Someone else for a brain freeze? No, that's okay. It's like, it's like. Hey, our, our scripture this year and our, our theme is one. And we're basing it on John 17, 20, 20, 21. And Jesus is this. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, not for his 12 disciples alone. But here's a generational phrase. I'm going to preach on this in the next few weeks. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you're in me and I'm in you. So the relationship that, they, that, that we have within the Godhead, the oneness, that's, that's how Jesus wants us to treat each other as his church. As we look at the love, we look at the unity around the purpose. In the Godhead, that's how we're to relate to each other. And then he goes on and he says this, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. May they also be in us. There's this idea that Jesus talks about a oneness between God and his people, that they would be in us. There's a oneness, there's a closeness. As Christians, we have a oneness relationship with God. Friends, what's it like? That's rhetorical. If you're speaking to an unbeliever, and hopefully you do this regularly, and, and you have the opportunity to share with them what it's like to be a Christian, what it's like to have this intimate, close, oneness relationship with God, what's it like? How would you describe it? It's rhetorical. Have a think. How would you describe it? Hopefully not shocking or ouch or uh, ice pick. How would you describe it? Well, in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul describes it like this, as a marriage relationship. Now, before we go any further, we need to say that we've got to be careful here because your experience of marriage or the marriage that you've seen, that a marriage that you've seen maybe in your parents or grandparents, may look nothing, may look nothing like the marriage that God intended. So when the Apostle Paul talks about our relationship with God is like a marriage relationship, 
He's using marriage in the terms that, and the, in the description as the scripture talks about marriage, which is a wonderful relationship between a husband and a wife. So we, as we think about marriage, we've got to think about it from the scriptural sense. And I'm about to show you what that looks like. But before we go any further, I'm going to pick a couple. And I'm thinking about who I can pick this morning. I'm thinking about, oh, who's, Craig and Jackie Given. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Now, it's very difficult today because we're talking about marriage and you guys know to have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Come and join us up on the lounge. The lounge today, and we have special drinks for you. This one is really good for you. It's called Coca-Cola. And we have Tim Tams, and we have Lint Chocolates, and we really want you to enjoy yourself today. There's a screen at the back so you can follow along. And the reason you're there is because you're our object lesson today. You're our simple, and just throw them at people as if you want to throw them. Otherwise, eat them all. You've got a choice. Um, and they're our objects today because we're talking about marriage. I want you to think of them and the marriage, and that's how the Bible wants us to relate to God. In a biblical view of marriage, our relationship with God is like a marriage. Does that sound okay? Enjoy yourselves, cuddle, um, write love letters to each other, wave at them. Please be embarrassed while you're sitting there. It's awesome. So we're going to now look at Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, this is, this is how it starts. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Would you like a Bible or a pen or something? Have you got anything here that you'd like to take with you? I'm just thinking, there's an apple, there's a bag. We could help you out here. Just in case I thought you might want to use this stuff, we'll look after you. Would you like a glass of water today, Craig? Would you like that? glass of water? I think there's a bottle in there. You got a bottle? Would you like something, Jackie? You all right? Awesome. We'll look after you as our number one couple today. It says... Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And then he goes on to talk about what that looks like. He talks about what that submission looks like between husbands and wives, later on, parents and children, and later on, employees and employers. talks about the submitting relationship. So we're going to look at the marriage one. In verse 22, it says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. See the, see the connection? As... The husband is the head of the wife. I'll get back. So wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as just as Christ is the head of the church. See the similarity? Which is his body of which he's the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, let me give you a summary of that. Ephesians 5, 21 and 24. This is what it says. Wife, as the wife submits to husbands, the church submits to Christ. Then he, another summary. The husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ, talking about Jesus, is the head of the church. And when we say church, we're not talking about building. We're talking about people. The husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. See the similarity? Let me go to the next thing. Now, if you've read that men, you think the wife needs to submit to me. That's awesome. I'm going to celebrate. Look what comes next. It's more difficult for you. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did he do that? And he gave himself up for her. He died for the church. He died for you and me. To make her holy, to be set apart, to be his it's like when you get married and you choose your wife. You choose her out from the rest of the world 
And she's holy to you. She's set apart. She belongs. Belongs? You didn't hear it in the right way, not the wrong way. She belongs to you. And so with the church, Jesus calls us out to be holy, sets us apart as his chosen people. He says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That's an interesting statement we'll get back to. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, when I read that sentence, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, I was like, what does that mean? So I went to a commentary, and this is what the commentary said to me. It said that when, before a woman was married, back at the time of Jesus, they went through a, a ceremonial washing before the wedding day. And there's that imagery of marriage in verse 27 where it talks about without stain or wrinkle. I can imagine that's like the wedding dress. A wedding dress without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. So this washing that we as a church receive is, is a symbolism, is the, is, the, is the washing the wife had before the marriage. But we're washed with the word, through the word. What's this word? It's obviously the word of the gospel, the, the message of Jesus, that he died and that he rose and he offers us new life. Forgiveness of sin offers us new life. And that's what we've been washed through. And it says in 27, and to present it to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Friends, if you're a Christian here this morning, God sees you as holy and God sees you as blameless, without blame, where he can say, that's on you, that's your fault, you deserve punishment for that. That's all gone because of what Christ has done for you. You are holy, you are set apart as his chosen people, and you are without blame because of what Christ has done for you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Verse 28, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Here's a summary. Here we go. Husbands love your wives. Christ loves the church. Christ gave his life for the church. Husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. Husbands, feed and care for your wives, just as Christ feeds and cares for his church. See the connection between the marriage relationship and how Jesus relates to us and how husbands relate to their wives. It's a picture of marriage. Then it goes on. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And that's quoting Genesis 2.21 and Mark 10.8. He says this, he says, This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And I go, wow. So in a marriage relationship, when you come together in marriage through the declaration before God and in the sexual union, you become one. You are connected in a marriage relationship. And then here, Paul flips it. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. This oneness that we have in marriage is actually a picture of the relationship and the oneness and the connectedness that we have with Jesus. 
However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians. Now, this, this passage is in the, context of, of, in the context of sexual immorality or sex outside of marriage. And this is what he says here. He says, Do you not know that, the, that, that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it's, for it's said the two will become one flesh. And friends, the reality is when you have sex with someone, you become one flesh with them. You are deeply connected with them. Something gets, you put something on them and they put something on you. Soul tie. That's the word, soul tie. And, and, and many people before they're Christian and even as, uh, even as believers have sexual relationships. They shouldn't, but they do have sexual relationships with people who they're not married to. And so you can have a soul tie or a oneness connection with someone. And if that person's not your wife, you can break that. Um, in the first service, we had a wonderful testimony from Liesl about prayer ministry, and Beck and Kerry do a lot of the prayer ministry in, the, in this church, as well as other people like Nev, and uh, there's other people who do it as well. And you can get prayer ministry around that, and they can cut that off for you, but you can also do it yourself, where you ask God to forgive you for that, and you ask God to break the soul tie, smash it in Jesus' name, and ask God to return to you what you've given away and to release back to them what they've put on you. And you can cut that tie and it's done, it's over, it's finished. Is that clear? Verse 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit because when you become a Christian, the spirit of God dwells in you and your spirit becomes alive and connects with God's spirit and you're tight. I would say deeper than a marriage relationship is your relationship with Christ, that you are one with him in spirit. So as we look at this, we, are, we are see that, that, our, that our Jesus is, is like the husband in the relationship and we as his church are like the bride. Yeah? And... We are in a relationship, but when he comes back, the bride and the groom are going to spend eternity together in, in heaven, which is a wonderful picture. And in that passage in Ephesians, we're told that Jesus loves his church, feeds and cares for his church, but he's going to present her holy and blameless in his sight. And we as a church are called to submit, submit to Christ. Friends, the, the husband and wife relationship should be the deepest relationship you have on planet Earth, deeper than your relationship with your mum. Sorry, mum. I know it's very hard to hear. But the marriage relationship is the tightest relationship. And friends, that's a picture of the relationship we're supposed to have with Christ. There's, a, there's something that happens in my home that, that happens regularly, and it usually happens in the morning, and it usually terrifies me. Craig, you will love this. Michelle? <laughs> The comment was, I wake up next to my wife and freak out. No, that's not it. <laughs> Michelle goes into the walk-in robe. She gets dressed and she comes out to me and she says, so Nathan, what do you think of this outfit? <laughs> and, and in the past, I've made comments. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but she knows what I'm thinking. And, and, and I, try not, I, try not to move, I try not to move my face. I try and keep it perfectly still. But she even knows what I'm thinking just by, I don't know, she knows. She knows, she knows. There's this tight relationship. And friends, that's the sort of relationship and deeper God wants with us. 
where we know him and he knows us. But friends, just like in any relationship, it takes time to develop. When Michelle and I got married when I, back in 2004, although we were one flesh, we didn't know each other deeply and intimately. That takes time to develop. And 12 years in, I'm still learning I don't know my wife very well. And she's knows my, I'm sure she knows much more about me than I know about her. Do you reckon that's true for most relationships? Yeah, I reckon that's true for most relationships. The scripture says in James 4.8, Come near to God and he will come near to you, or draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. There's this, there's this step that God wants us to go in relationship with him, where we move closer to him. Now, in our relationship with God, God is majorly advantaged, because he's all-knowing. He knows us. He created us. He how many hairs or lack of hairs on our head, Neville. Um, Neville. And he knows the, our days. He knows our passions, our desires. He's majorly advantaged, but he wants us to go on a journey to get to know him and to go deeper with him and to know him at a, at a, at a greater oneness, a depth of relationship. There's this um, book that was put out back in 2009 entitled The Five Love Languages. Who's seen that book before? Who's heard that book before? Most people, if you haven't, you, you won't be able to do this exercise, but it doesn't matter. So I'm about to tell you what they are. Turn to the person next to you and see if you can get all five. Go. Turn to the person next to you and see if you know what all five love languages are. Thanks. Who can do all five? Four. Who got one? Who got two? Who got three? Who got four? Who got all five? Wow, very good. First service people. Here they are. The first one, words of affirmation, where you speak nice words, loving words, encouraging words to your spouse. And what it does, you fall deeper in love. You, you go deeper in connection. You, you have a greater oneness. Second one, Quality time, and with quality time comes quality conversation, where you spend quality time with your partner. Three is about gifts. How many people like gifts? Love to receive gifts from people. Four, physical touch. Five, acts of service. How's, let's, um, how's their physical touch this morning? Are you guys all holding hands? Physical touch? Yeehaw. Woo, 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 woo. You hope that leads some? No. Stop there. Um, so... This was really helpful in our marriage, yeah? This was really helpful in my marriage with Michelle because I was loving Michelle in the way that I thought she needed to be loved and she was loving me in the thought I, in the way that she thought I needed to be loved but we were missing each other. See, my way of showing love and receiving love is words of, words of affirmation and acts of service. Michelle's quality time and gifts Different. So I was loving Michelle through words and service. So I would cook meals for her, clean the house, and there was no response. I'm going, why isn't she happy? If you do that for my mother, she's like hugging you, kissing you, putting a party on, right? I'm going, this doesn't make sense. This is not working. And she was loving me by saying, let's spend time together. Let's spend time together. Let's spend time together and giving me gifts. I'm like, that's nice, but I want my words and I want my service, wife. And we're missing each other. But when we work this out, we started to love each other in the way that each other needed it. And as we did that, our relationship went deeper. We got closer in oneness and greater intimacy. Can anyone relate to what I'm talking about this morning? Yeah, relate to this. Where am I going with this? Well, friends, I want to suggest 
that we can use these five love languages in our relationship with God. After all, he's the one who made them. God shows love like this, and we can offer our love to God like this. And so what I want to do, I want to take you through each one of these love languages this morning and show you how and why this is important. Because as we show love towards God and God shows love towards us, we go deeper, greater, greater oneness, greater intimacy. So the first one I want to look at is words of affirmation. To me, you are perfect. On, our, on, on Valentine's Day this year, I jumped on the computer. I went to Google Images. I found this lovely picture with this tree that was made into a... Uh, a love heart, and then I wrote these lovely words to Michelle on the computer using words of affirmation. And she was like, oh, that's nice. Thanks. Great. Excellent. <laughs> I was loving her with words again, but that's not what she needs, you know, quality time and gifts. But you know what? The Bible speaks words of affirmation over us regularly. The Bible says to us, you are my son. I love you. You are my chosen you are my precious people. You are my workmanship. You are adopted and forgiven. God speaks his words of love over our lives. And the reality is God loves it when we speak those words back to him. We sang songs today about our, how we feel about God. And when we declare his goodness and how we feel about him, there's this connection that happens with God that takes us deeper. I remember being back in, a, in my early 20s at another church, an older guy came to me and said, Nathan, how often do you tell God that you love him? Craig, that's a good question for you, I reckon. How often do you tell God that you love him? And I thought for a moment and I, and I went, I don't think I ever do that. Which got me to reflect on, I think my Christianity in my early 20s was very head knowledge. I knew what I knew. I, knew, I was a Christian, I did love God up here, but it wasn't like, but, but there wasn't this emotional response to God that I think God would, God, God would have wanted. Did I love God? Yeah, but, but I never spoke it out. And it was only as I got filled with the Spirit and allowed to work with the Spirit to do this thing in my life that I became more emotional towards God, more responsive more closer, more intimate. And now I make a deliberate decision to tell God that I love him. I encourage you to continue to speak out how you feel about God to him because he loves it and I hope you go deeper with him. Second one, quality time. Quality time, quality conversation with your spouse. It's, it's vital if you're going to have deep relationship. And it's also true with God. Now, in our today's world where life is so busy and getting busier and faster and our phones go off and we feel them vibrating in our pockets and now we have these, these watches that do it for us and this continual bombardment of Facebook and people, on, people wanting to know what's going on in Facebook all the time. And it can be difficult to get time aside to spend quality time with God. But if you think about Jesus, like he was in demand, like he was preaching and people were coming from all over the nation to be healed of sicknesses, to hear about the kingdom of God. He was a full-on celebrity and people wanted his time. But even in that, in Mark 1, in Luke 5, you'll see in these busy times that Jesus withdraws from the crowd to spend time with his father. 
And friends, it's vital we do that. And we know that the main way God speaks, Dave, this is for you, the main way God speaks is through the Bible. And by reading the Word and, and, and listening to what God is saying to us, it renews us, it restores us, it, it takes us deeper with God as we get to know Him. We, I encourage you to pray, to speak with God, not at Him. Listen, like Daryl did this morning, and he, God gave him a vision. That's, that's, that's a whole new depth of relationship God had today with Daryl and Daryl had with God. Deeper intimacy, deeper oneness, because he put time aside to listen and say, God, speak to me. Now, I know if life is busy and if you're a young mum where life is just crazy, but getting that time and putting it aside is, is just vital if we're going to spend time with God. When's the last time you got 20 minutes? Just you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Ken talks about how he goes out in the bush and he just bees with God. I sit on the beach. That's me, not bush. I don't like bush. I like beach. And I can be with God. And sometimes you don't have to talk. You know when you sit with your spouse or a lover, boyfriend, and you just sit and you don't have to say anything because it just feels right? Do that with God. Just be with God. Number three, how are we going so far? Helpful? Three, gifts. Those who love to receive gifts. You know, the scripture says in uh, James 1.7, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Mark talked about his house and his family. All that God has given us, that is a gift from God to you. In um, Ephesians chapter 1.3, it says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And then you've got those passages like 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 4, Ephesians 4, which talks about the gifts that God has given us. God has gifted us. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And we can offer our gifts to God. Our finances, we can offer that as a gift. And you do that in your offering. Praise God that you do that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. And the generations offering is an opportunity for us to give a financial gift into the future. When we have gifts inside us, the Romans 12 gifts, leadership, mercy, administration, whatever they are, God's given us those gifts so that we can use them and offer them to his body and into the world. God's given us gifts and we're called to use those gifts to be those gifts to other people. Number four, physical touch. The beautiful touching of holding hands and cuddling and kissing and then sexual intimacy in marriage, which is something we should celebrate because God gave it to us and it's excellent. Um, in June, we have Leon and Luba Munro. They've been pastors for lots of years. They run Sutherland Church, so part of Kingsway. And Leon's the the, uh, the, 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 the guy who oversees the pastors in our movement and cares for them. And they have a wonderful marriage. And we've asked them to come in June to talk on sex. So it's going to be our biggest attendance we've ever had at church. People are going to be lining up. And, and I'm, I'm, calling, the, I'm calling, the, calling them the sex experts. Sexperts. And they're going to talk about husband and wife and sexual intimacy. It's going to be fabulous. Yes? Who's looking forward to that? Me and Mark and Neville and... Ken, go on, Ken. Yes, chance. <laughs> Looking forward to that. 
That physical touch is really important. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, how does God do physical touch with us? Well, let me say this, that when you become a Christian, his spirit comes and lives in you. So in some ways, God is always touching you. But there's also times in our lives, and particularly today in worship, where, where we sense the Spirit of God. In the 9 o'clock service, I sense the Spirit of God so strongly, I felt the, 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 the tingling in my hands of the Spirit. And so I prayed, laid my hands on Aidan and Joel and Alicia and Michelle and just prayed, prayed for them to release the anointing of the Spirit over their lives. Maybe you've, you've, you've been healed of something and where the Spirit of God has touched you. I've had a shoulder healed. I've had a leg healed where the Spirit of God touches me. Friends, God wants to touch our lives. He's not some distant force that's out there, but he's, he's personal and, and there's a word. I don't know what it is. Present. There's a good word. He's present. And you might think, well, how, well then how do you touch God? Well, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So as you put time aside, as you seek after him, God will meet you in that place. And you sense his presence, you know his touch. Now when we know the touch of God, it takes us deeper in relationship. It takes deeper in oneness, deeper in intimacy. As we, as we go through these love languages. Number five, last one. Acts of service. I love this little note. Today I'm taking the kids out so you can rest because I love you. It's a lovely little thing. And in marriage it might be cleaning the car cooking a meal, doing the washing, serving your partner. And, in, and, and, and with our relationship with God, God has served us. And he served us in the most wonderful way by giving his son Jesus to meet our need. Our need of forgiveness of sin. Our need of being freed from the death penalty. That was over our life, being freed from God's anger that is on unbelievers because of their wrongdoing. Jesus served us by giving us a new life. He served us by giving us a fresh start, by forgiving our sin, by bringing us into a relationship with God that lasts forever. Friends, he served us. And in turn, God wants us to serve him. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. He talks about the sheep who do the things that Jesus did, who visited those in prison, he, who fed people in need, who welcomed people into their home. This is the, 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 the actions and the work of Jesus that he calls us as his body to do. We're called to love people by serving them. We're called to love God by serving people. And as we serve people, which is actually serving God, our relationship goes deeper and the oneness gets tighter and the intimacy goes further. And maybe you're here today and you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus. As I just said, God served us by giving us his son Jesus to take our sin upon himself so that we can be forgiven, that we can be in relationship with God forever. And if you have not received that, Today can be your day. If you want to receive Jesus as your saviour, as the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity right now. And all we're going to do is pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or raise a hand. It's simply a prayer between you and God. 
But what I want you to do is tell someone afterwards that you prayed the prayer because that's the beginning of the journey and we want to help you on that. So I encourage everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I encourage you to pray these words after me in church. Please pray it as well. This prayer is about coming to Jesus, asking him to forgive you and becoming the number one in your life. Here we go. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose again. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.